Hi, you guys. I'm Kat, and I hope you come hang out with me on Kat Sadler Now. On my weekly podcast, I continue to ask the questions. I've been interviewing people for more than 25 years now, but that doesn't mean I've found all the answers. Make sure to listen to Kat Sadler Now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Allison. And I'm Taylor. And we're the hosts of the Anxiety Chicks podcast, where we dive deep into the reality of anxiety, nutrition, and mental health. Listen as we explore all things anxiety healing while keeping it real, including our own struggles with mental health. We'll bring our expertise as healing professionals to the conversation while discussing the tools and strategies you need to heal the anxious mind. Listen to the Anxiety Chicks on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Anxiety Chicks podcast. I'm Taylor. And I'm Allison Sepinera. And we are so glad to be back with you guys. It is the first week of the month, so we are starting with our Q&A episode, which a lot of you guys love. If you didn't know, we post on our stories, our individual pages, health underscore anxiety and the anxiety healer about the first week of the month on like a Monday and Tuesday. And we get the questions you guys want to ask and we answer them on here. We try to do as many as we can to fit in an episode, but keep posting your questions and I promise we'll get to it at some point. So Allison, do you want to start with the first question? Sure. Mine's going to be pretty short this one just because it's... (laughs) um, it's anyway, I'll tell you. Okay, so someone asked, have you ever suffered with ocular migraines or fear of losing vision? And why it's short is because I have not. Actually, I don't know if you have, Taylor. Maybe you can speak on it a little bit, but I actually have not. But I did want to mention this question because we do have an amazing episode um, with a doctor, an eye doctor. Um, and I think that would actually probably be an awesome episode for you to listen to. Um it is episode 97, and Dr. Ronnie Bannock is the ophthalmologist that came on to talk all about this. And so um, that actually would probably answer that question really well. It was an awesome episode. So go back and listen to episode 97. Um, and that's that was like my first question. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. I wanted to uh, give some type of resource for that because – while I haven't experienced it, I remember that episode was so great, and I just wanted to make sure that everyone knows that if they struggle, that that's there. I love that. We need to get more of those doctors on. People really like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's go to my question. So I had a couple people say this. What helped you the most with fear of dying? How to not be worried that I'm going to die 24-7? So those are like two different people. And I think that what helps me, and it's actually like my screensaver right now. So it's this it's this image and it says when you spend the present moment and the present moment is this like yellow box and then it has these like different color boxes in a row and it's like yellow all the way up to red. So think of yellow as like you know, calm, peaceful, and think of red as like we're in extreme worry and panic. So right now in the present moment, you and I and everybody listening to this, we're okay, right? We're fine. We're listening to this podcast. We're relaxing. Obviously, if you're listening to this podcast or you and I are talking in this podcast, we're not experiencing anything extremely dangerous. So we're okay. So when you're spending this present moment, which is a yellow box, worrying about what will happen in the future, which could be 
a red box and will be a red box at some point in our life because we all will die at some point. And that is one of the things that I think you have to work on and accept that we will all have that time in life, right? But right now in this present moment, we are okay. And when you spend this present moment worrying about that red box, it ruins the present moment for you and that future moment. So you spend just twice the amount of time worrying about something that likely we cannot control. And this was very, very, very hard for me to grasp. And that's why it's literally the screensaver on my phone, because I constantly have to remind myself that I can sit around and worry about some crazy thing happening to me when the likelihood of me even being able to worry about how I will die is just like, you know, like 1% maybe. Maybe I have a 1% chance of totally guessing when I will die, how, and how I can prevent it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just, it, it ruins so, it has ruined and it ruins so much of the time we do have. And I realized looking back on my life and the anxiety I really went through, how much time I spent worrying about things I cannot control. And it was just a waste of my time. I completely wasted the good times I have right in front of me. And I know that if you struggle with anxiety, you're hearing this and you're like, easier said than done, right? But that's why we have to like keep reminding ourselves that. That's why it's literally my phone's screensaver. Like I would say I have come a long, long way with anxiety, but I still have to remind myself of those things because it's very easy for my brain to be like, oh, let's just try and prevent death. Oh my gosh. I just have to remain present. And I think everybody has to just remain present and remind yourself constantly reframing those thoughts that I'm safe. I'm here right now is the present moment and I get to enjoy this moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think that, you know, when you struggle with health anxiety, that is really like just the underlying fear that you have constantly is just this fear about death, right? When it comes to it, especially with health anxiety. And so, you know, training your brain to, you know, be more aware and conscious of the present isn't just great for this. It's just great in general for any type of anxiety, right? Or any fear you have. And the more you have to remember, I know it's like a broken record on here for us, but like the more that you practice these kind of type of strategies, the more you're creating new neural pathways in your brain. So the more that you practice being present and you practice these grounding exercises and mindfulness-based exercises, you're creating new pathways in your brain that actually is going to start – it's going to start becoming habit for you. This type of thinking is going to start becoming habit more than those fearful thoughts. So that's why the practice is so important to do it every day. Um, We also have an episode on death anxiety, episode 18. It's one of our – episodes that we did in the beginning. And I remember being really, uh, we were both really nervous about putting something out like that because it could be obviously there's like a trigger warning, right? There's, this could be very triggering for people, this topic, but we got so much good feedback about that episode. So episode 18 is all about death anxiety. If you want to listen more about that. Yeah, that was a really, really good one. I liked that episode, but obviously trigger warning. If you feel you're not ready, you're not at that point where you want to dive into that, then don't but it's a good one. Okay, Allison, your turn. Okay. Um, Let me see. Which one do I want to answer first? Um, Okay. So someone asked, how do you figure out what's causing your anxiety? And I loved this question because I think that especially 
today versus like five years ago, even, or 10 years ago. Um, I don't even know if as many people today knew the word anxiety because it's talked about so much now, um, which is great, especially on social media, right? Like ending the stigma of mental health and just talking about anxiety. Yes. Love it. Love it. Love it. But what happens is things get lost in translation a little bit. And sometimes people use the word anxiety, um, to replace other emotions that are going on with them. And sometimes it's really hard to know what's actually going on until we actually put a feeling word along with what's happening. So, so many people I see in my practice and even on my page, you know, they'll explain their anxiety to me and they'll just keep repeating. I felt so anxious though. I felt anxious and I, and I want to break that down. I work on helping break that down. So, okay, what does it feel like in your body to feel anxious and what actual feeling are going on for you, right? Like, first of all, what happened before this panic or this anxiety started, right? And I have this whole rating scale, all of this stuff is in the anxiety healer's guide, but you know, it's a practice to kind of recognize what's going on in your body and how your brain starts racing and when it starts happening. And so the most important thing too, is to understand what emotions were happening at that time. So I will break it down and say, okay, complete this sentence. I feel blank because and I want you to use a feeling word. Get out your feelings chart if you need to. You know, they have them everywhere online now. You can print them out and look at what emotions might be really coming up for you. Are you scared? Are you worried? Are you mad? Are you sad? Are you disappointed? Are you hurt? Um, there's so many different feelings. And then recognize, you know, I feel sad because all of those emotions can contribute to our anxiety levels. And I think when you get a lot deeper into what the emotions really are going on, it's a lot easier to know what's actually making you feel, quote unquote, anxious. Of course, anxious is a, a very excessive type of fear or worry. That's kind of the definition of it when you have just this constant rumination of fear or worry, right? So it might be scared. You might be scared or you might be worried, but because, right? Like that sentence, I feel scared because. I feel worried because. And then using those I statements can be really effective in helping figure out your triggers more and um, and becoming just more comfortable with understanding what what how your body's responding to certain situations and certain events. So um I would say that's that's easier said than done for some people. I know for me, I wasn't really able to figure that stuff out on my own. It's, therapy is what really helped me process all of that. Um, and so, you know, if you're someone in therapy now, I would maybe ask your therapist to do some of those exercises together maybe. Um, and also get the anxiety healer's guide. I talk all about how to do this in there. Um, but yeah, that's what I would say. I like that. That that was really, really good. I feel like we have an episode we could refer to for that too. I looked up like all the episodes about that and it is actually. Um, so episode 82 is creating an effective anxiety healing toolkit. Okay. Um, and so we talk all about in episode 82, how to create an effective toolkit, but also a part of creating that we talk about like how to, how to learn more about your triggers and, and what you can do to become more aware of your anxiety and what causes it. So I would listen to episode 82. 
Awesome. Okay, next question. Do slash did you ever fear you are losing your mind when your anxiety acts or acted up? And I think this question is so important because thinking back to when my anxiety was at its worst, I had the strangest thoughts. And I think that is obviously just anxiety talking to me. But like, I remember even one time I was with my family and we went somewhere and I was looking at the sky and it was like the most beautiful sunset, right? Like, like cotton candy sky, right? And in my head, I'm like, oh, it's the end of the world. The world's ending. I just would have these like very intrusive, almost like fortune telling which is a type of anxious thinking is where you think you can fortune tell uh, thoughts that like, oh, I'm about the world's about to end, to end and like all this stuff. And I remember just being like, I feel like I'm going crazy. Like, I feel like I'm losing my mind. And um, I never actually was. And I think that's something so important to like know is that even though you feel so out of control in those moments, you are in full control. Because I remember feeling like I was just going to do something that was totally not me and I just would obsess over the thoughts that like I had no control, but we have so much control. And it, it's the weirdest game that anxiety plays with you. And I don't know why that is so common. Maybe you can talk on this, but I know personally I had this feeling and I know so many people have this feeling of like, I had just an irrational fear I was going to become schizophrenic. Like, I don't know why. I just felt like I was on the verge of just like completely losing it and just having actions and thoughts that weren't me, if that makes any sense. And I and I get so many messages on this. And maybe mm -hmm. you can talk more on why that happens and why that's a thought pattern that commonly comes up in people's head. Yeah. Well, so that's very, very, very common with anyone that struggles with an anxiety disorder, um, especially OCD um, or health anxiety, because um, intrusive thoughts can be very scary. Intrusive thoughts are sometimes a little different than just kind of like some ruminating thoughts. Intrusive thoughts can feel really dangerous when you have them and they can you, they can scare you because you don't really understand why they come into your brain. And so you almost mm -hmm. like fixate on, on the content of the thought. It's almost yeah, like, why, like, am, why I am I having this just horrible, like, you know, you're like, <laughs> this is a random one, but I heard someone say it the other day. They were like, what if I just punt this baby? Like, you know, like you just have a thought that's totally. like, you would never do something no, like that, no. but it's just like, or like you're talking to someone, you're like, what if I just punch them in the face? Like, it's yeah. like, why would I have this thought? Like, it makes yeah. you feel like such a bad person. Oh my gosh. It's, it's so scary when you have them. I have one that reoccurs all the time. Every time I drive over a bridge, I'm like, what if I just drove off this bridge? Yeah. Like, yeah. Or like straight into the median. Like, what if I just drove off the bridge? It's so scary to me sometimes, but I'm just like, now I know that. I'm going over a bridge and I'm like, I'm not going to do it. Like why? It's so weird. Yeah. Like, you're like, I would so never do that. Why am I fixing that? On yeah. And, and then I also like prepare myself. I know if I'm taking a long drive yeah. or something, I'll listen to a podcast or, you know, I'll, I'll just be really trying to be present in where I am. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just that intrusive type of thinking. And I think the thought it, itself is what really scares us sometimes. Um, and, and being able to, I mean, that might require a little bit higher level of care for some people because those types of thoughts can be so intrusive and loud 
and yeah. feel like they never quiet down. And that's when maybe you need um, to look for some some professional help. But um, really what, what the treatment is, is it, what we've been talking about is really rewiring the way that you think about things and knowing that, you know, there's two parts of you and sometimes you have thoughts that are intrusive and then there's other thoughts in your brain that you can talk back to and say, you know, here's where you are now and all those grounding exercises. It's just going to be learning how to practice doing all of that in, in like a rational way, you know? Yeah. I just, I wonder why a lot of the thoughts people have with anxiety is this fear of like, quote unquote, going crazy or developing like a more extreme mental illness. Well, I don't know about the statistics of that. If it's like more than other intrusive thoughts, I mean, I don't know. But I think that that just has to do with what we think it is, what it feels like to lose control. Right. Because you feel so out of control when you're having a panic attack. Yeah. Okay. So, and if you quote unquote feel like you're going crazy, yeah, that's another example in your brain of not having control. And that's yeah. the scariest thing for someone with anxiety. <laughs> that makes sense. That, yeah. I'm, but you're, you're literally so not alone. We even have an episode on intrusive thoughts. Do you have that one pulled up? 123. 123. That's a really good one. Really, really good episode. Um, Because it is so common with so many people to have these very, very, very extreme, but very real. You can almost like picture it in your head, you know, and you can almost feel it, but like it's truly just a thought and the action is likely not going to follow. Like you're not going to do that thing. You have control, even though you feel like you don't have control. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's very yeah. common. Definitely listen. That's one of our most popular episodes and most helpful. So episode 123 for that. Um, okay. Next. Got another. So a lot of you know, if you've been listening to the Anxiety Chicks for a while, that I'm in this stage of life called perimenopause. And let me just tell you how exciting that is. Um, but finding a doctor to help with this phase of my life has been so difficult and intimidating, and I don't know why. But thank God for ZocDoc because I've been able to find a doctor that not only has been able to specialize in what I'm looking for, but also comes with patient reviews. So I've been able to look at this doctor on ZocDoc and actually see how other people who have seen this doctor have reviewed this doctor. That is a huge piece for me and for so many people, you wanna trust who you're seeing, right? There's so many ways that people are talking about how to find a doctor, maybe on TikTok or Instagram. And honestly, the best way is by getting referrals, by finding real life reviews on these doctors and ZocDoc provides them. It's awesome. And I found the best doctor for my perimenopause and my primary care doctor as well through ZocDoc. And all of these reviews are verified and they're actual real patients. They're not bots or anything. So it's incredible the information you're finding before you even have to go in to see this doctor. The average wait time to see a doctor if you book it on ZocDoc is only about 24 to 48 hours which is incredible. And sometimes you can even score same day appointments with the doctor. And once you find the doctor you want, you don't even have to wait. You can book them immediately just with the app 
the ZocDoc app, if you download it, just a few taps on the app, no more waiting, no more talking to a receptionist and having them put you on hold. It is incredible. You guys got to try ZocDoc. ZocDoc is a free app where you can find amazing doctors and book appointments online. We're talking about booking appointments with thousands of top-rated, patient-reviewed doctors and specialists. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, are located near you, and treat almost any condition you're searching for. Go to ZocDoc.com slash AnxietyChicks and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash anxiety chicks. ZocDoc.com slash anxiety chicks. Okay. Um, okay. How do I overcome sleep anxiety and being afraid of sleeping? Okay. So sticking with the episode thing, we have an episode on sleep anxiety, episode 70, um, what helps and what doesn't for sleep anxiety. So that's episode 70 if you want to dive deeper into that. But what I will say is the most important thing for me when it comes to sleep is my sleep hygiene. It's something I call sleep hygiene, right? Um, Which includes like my sleep environment. So there are so many things about my sleep environment that are routine for me now because it's what it's what helps keep my nervous system in a regulated state. Um, and there are a couple things I'm working on still, which I'll tell you. But um, so some of the major things I have for my sleep hygiene, right? Of course, I brush my teeth and do all of the things I need to do in the bathroom. Um, and then once I get into my bed, um, I, I will always try and get into my bed at least like an hour before going to sleep. Um, cause it just, my bed is like my safe place for me. I love it. Um, I have a heating pad that I use so, uh, not every time I'm not like dependent on it, but it definitely like calms me and soothes me. I put it on my stomach. Um, I use a sleep mask to sleep. Um, I started doing that back a long time ago because it was really bright in one of the apartments I lived in. But now I've read that it's actually really good for you to use a sleep mask. Um, And so that really helps me. And I sleep with a noise machine also because there's a lot of like background noise and sometimes that wakes me up really easily. So I found this great noise machine. You can get all this stuff on my Amazon storefront on my bio. Um, But this noise machine is amazing. It's just white noise. And it's really not loud, or you can put it as loud or quiet as you want. Um, But it really just soothes me. Um, I will sometimes put some lavender spray, like really natural lavender spray on my pillow, because lavender is really, the scent of lavender is really calming and soothing for the nervous system. Um, I will always keep the temperature at a temperature that I think it's supposed to be like 68 or something is like the best temperature to sleep mm-hmm. in. You always want to be like a little bit cooler um, when you're sleeping. So I'll make sure the temperature is at the right thing. I also sleep with a, a fan on me. I don't know if that's good or bad. That's just something that I I have is like a fan. Um, I like not, not like a lot of wind or anything, but I just like a small breeze, I think, because sometimes I wake up and I'm hot. I'm also maybe going through perimenopause. So (laughs) any of you listening out there, if you know, you know. Um, And 
I'm trying to think of what else. There's just a lot of stuff. I I have specific sheets that I have and pillows. Um, you know, I don't know if you guys remember, but last year I was really struggling with lower back issues and tension in my neck. I mean, after my dad died, a lot of stress related stuff, but just, you know, getting older. Um, so I have certain pillows that I sleep with and I got a specific mattress that's better for my back. I mean, literally I could go on about sleep stuff because it's so <laughs> important for me. Like sleep really is medicine. Um, so of course, some of the things I'm still struggling with is like not sleeping with my phone next to me and not being on my phone when right before bed, you're supposed to be off of it at least a half hour, you know, off screens. I think TV's like, okay, maybe put on the background. I don't know. But definitely being off screens and that light is not good for you. I'm really, I really struggle with that because I use podcasts. Another thing I, I listen when I fall asleep, I like having like podcasts on in the background. It kind of helps sometimes, not every night, but sometimes I'll put on a podcast, you know, that from the day and it'll help me just like fall asleep. Um, kind of like a sleep story. Sometimes I'll use them, sleep stories on Insight Timer or um, Calm the Calm app, sleep stories. I mean, podcasts for me are like sleep stories basically. And uh, yeah, but staying off, that's been the hardest part for me when it comes to sleep is really just like putting that phone down, putting that Instagram down. Yep. I think you know? that the most important thing from what you just said is having a having sleep hygiene, having a good sleep routine, like really being disciplined on your routine of getting sleep. I use the Aura Ring. I've talked about this a lot. And it basically just is really detailed on how your sleep was. It really analyzes your sleep it gives you a score and I've been able to watch my score dramatically increase by doing a bunch of different things and tweaking my routine. Everybody's different. Everybody's going to have a different routine, but like lowering the temperature in my room, I have a chili pad I use that's like cooling yeah. to my body. It keeps my temperature pretty regulated throughout my sleep. So I'm not like waking up in the middle of the night hot or whatever. And I've watched my REM sleep just dramatically increase. I've watched so many different Amazing. metrics increase. And when you have things like this, the likelihood of being able to fall asleep. I mean, think about when you go to like a hotel, right? Sometimes you're just like, why am I just tossing and turning? Yeah, And it's because you yeah. maybe don't have your routine or it's yeah. just a different bed, a different feel, whatever. So it's like, I am so routine at this point with my bed that like I'm I dread vacations. I'm like, no, I, I want to take my whole bed with me. Um, but know. yeah, all in all, developing a sleep routine and sticking to it and you will get quality sleep. I promise. Yeah. I also want to say, you know, the second part of that question was being afraid to fall asleep. Um, and I, I do see that. I don't know what this person's specific situation is, but I definitely do see that more with people who struggle with um, post-traumatic stress disorder or some type of trauma or PTSD um, because they can have really vivid nightmares and it can be really scary. It's scary to, to fall asleep because that you just don't want to, you know what might be coming and you just don't want to have any of those, um, those nightmares or anything going on. So if that is the case and it's really debilitating, I would say definitely seek help from a trauma therapist, um, someone that could really help, help you process through if you have any type of trauma history. Um, or even if you're just, even if it's not trauma and you're just kind of like, oh, I'm afraid to fall asleep or, you know, it's because you know, a lot of some other people that I hear 
that have this that don't have necessarily trauma, they're afraid to fall asleep because they feel like in their sleep they don't have control. They're like, if that makes sense, like they're not in control because they're asleep. You know what I mean? And so that's more of like I've worked with a couple clients. I've worked in rewiring the way that they think about sleep and what it is and all of that stuff too. So um, yeah, it's complicated, but hopefully that helps. Um, I, I definitely had that. I had a dramatic fear of falling asleep because I had this lack of control that I wasn't going to be able to breathe or I wasn't going to be able for my heart to beat. It was so rational, but it truly kept me up at night. And that's when like, I notice myself and a lot of people, if they do struggle with panic attacks, also something about just like the calmness of the night in your mind, not being distracted. You often find yourself having those more anxious moments when you're laying in bed. And so then it's just this cycle in your brain that, oh, it's nighttime. Now I'm getting ready to be anxious. You know what I mean? And it's just totally. yes. it's a cycle. Yeah. Yeah. So so let's go ahead, head to that episode though, if you want more on that. Um, what was it again? 70, episode 70. Yeah. That was a good one. Okay. Let's see. What else do we have? Oh, what did you do for your anxiety lightheadedness when it was constant? I keep fixating on it. So I had this really, really bad. And something that oddly helped me was not being barefoot in the house. I know this sounds weird, but something about these like flip-flops I had, these inside flip-flops, the flopping on my foot with each step, I would focus on. I would literally fixate on it. Like I would fixate on the like click, click, click to my heel And you're distracting your brain from even being able to focus or think about being lightheaded because the more I focused or thought about being lightheaded, the more the room would spin because it was, it's truly like your mind. Like I remember when I was really struggling with feeling like I was walking on a boat like 24 seven, I, if I fixated on feeling like I was walking on a boat, the room would literally spin, like literally be flopping around. It was the weirdest thing. Like that was the scariest time in my anxiety because it was so real. And then I just started developing these things, which slowly helped me get over it, which was the literally in my head wearing these like especially flip-flops or like a shoe that can like flop to your heel is like going Mm -hmm. left in my head when I would take each step I would go left right left right left right it sounds insane but it was so helpful to me like I'm not kidding if you're struggling with this like having your brain focusing on left right left right like every step you take and then the clicking to your heel like just try it out because it really really helped me yeah, no, that's that's good, good tips. I, I'm sorry you went through that. I don't think I've ever really struggled really too bad. bad with that, but that sounds like yeah. That's when like my panic attacks were like super out of control. Like everything was, yeah. I was running to, I was, I went that at that time I went to the ER and got a CT scan. I told them I was having a stroke. That was the, that was the time I left my husband's, uh, well my boyfriend at the time, his birthday dinner with all his family. I'm like, nope, we got to go to the ER. <laughs> it's horrifying. Of course, everybody, of course. Everybody was done with me at that point. That was really bad. But but see, like, I don't know. I just you tell me that I think back to that that girl. You know, I didn't even know you back then, but feel so bad for her that yeah. she had to that she had to feel so scared all the time and not that, know. That's the hard part. That's the hard part. Is like I feel bad for her, but like. 
I also feel bad for my family. You know, it's like, it's the hardest thing because it's like, they don't know what to do. You keep screaming and running to the doctor for all these things. The doctor keeps saying, you're fine. My parents are like, how can you just not accept that? Like nothing's wrong with you. It's like, you're looking for, you know, it's just, and it was ongoing, so ongoing of months and months and months of like not helping myself, you know? So it gets to a point where it's like, I feel so bad for younger me, but I feel so bad for like what I put my family through which I've had to work on, you know, you have to work on that guilt and like just everything. And they they feel bad, you know, like they, the more they see my page and like other people's stories, they're like, Jesus is like a really real thing. Like when they see the people I talk to on my page, they're just like, like, I think they have guilt and I don't want them to ever have guilt. So it's, it's such a hard thing. Anxiety is really tough. If you're going through this, you're a very strong person. Well, you also wonder, like, would you feel as guilty if you, like, had diabetes or something and needed to, like, you know, leave certain places because you needed insulin or you fainted? Or would you feel as bad if you, you know, had, um, like, a broken leg and so you couldn't sit at a certain table for, like, six months? And would you feel as bad? Like, I don't know. You'd probably not feel as bad. And so I think that's something that we need to be conscious of is the fact that like there's this like guilt that comes along with having a mental illness or like mental health issues when you're around people. That's why I only hang around with people now that actually understand mental health. (laughs) (laughs) And actually- We should do an episode on that, the guilt, like how to handle the guilt, how to work through the guilt, how to not have the guilt. Yeah. I'm writing that in. You're writing that down? Yes. (laughs) The guilt. The guilt of the guilt of having anxiety. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Be a good one. Okay. Okay. Should I do one more? Yeah, let's do one more. Do you have any more? Are you are you done? No, that was my last one. Last one. Okay, I'll do one more. Um, just because this is like easy again to say, refer to this episode. But what are some things you can do to feel your ch- to do when you feel your chest tightening, shakiness, and your mind racing? This might be something good for you too, because you had such severe panic disorder with those types of symptoms. What do you actually? You why don't you answer? What do you think it was your most helpful stuff when you dealt with that? So I think when you're in the midst of all of that is literally just distracting yourself. Mm-hmm. Like I said, with like the flip-flops and like the left, right, left, right. Like in those moments, no education, no talking, nothing, no advice. None of that was going to help me get over those thoughts. 100%. In that moment, I truly just had to get through it because likely when you're feeling that way, like you're feeling a panic attack coming on or you're having a panic attack. And in those moments, it's not time to work on your anxiety. We've talked about this so many times. I feel like a lot of people, they'll have a panic attack. During the panic attack, they're like, oh my gosh, I need to help myself. I need to get better. I need to blah, 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 blah. It's like, no, 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 no. You need to just get through the panic attack. And then when the panic attack passes, that's when we need to do the work. That's when we really need to sit down and really need to educate ourselves. I love that you said that. There there are like tangible things. Which yeah, I'm sure no, that's you've what posted I was- on before, like, like eating, uh, distracting your senses is basically what you're doing when you're like eating a sour piece of candy or a sour green apple or like something that will distract your taste. Like it really distracts your brain, and then like taking a piece of ice and rubbing it on your back or your chest, and uh, I mean, there's so many different things. Splashing water on your face, uh, yeah. 
So, I feel like, so that's I feel like you're about to say one. One hundred percent. No, I what everything you're saying. I, I was going to say the reason that those things are helpful, and I one thousand percent agree. If you are having severe v- physical symptoms that are a response to anxiety, like a panic attack, nothing anyone says to you is going to help you. You literally have to. Your body is in such shock with like this dysregulation yeah. that you need to do something in order to activate the vagus nerve, which is the longest nerve from your brain to your, um, like it goes down your spine to your gut. And it basically sends signals to your body to say whether you're in danger or not. So when you're having anxiety, this vagus nerve is like really activated and all these physical symptoms are happening. And the only thing you can do to help, um, like increase your vagal tone, which means, and I've talked about this before, um, like helping soothe that vagus nerve is these types of exercises that they found. And this is based on research. So a lot of it is cold temperature, like ice really helps. If you put it behind the vagus nerve starts like behind your ear, um, your neck, um, put ice or, or cold water behind there, um, on your wrists. Those nerves are important too. Um, Anything you can do, it's interesting with the vagus nerve. I'm writing my next book on all of this. I can tell you, but there's like research has said like humming and gargling activates that part of the vagus nerve that soothes it. Um, Doing breathing exercises, 100%. So all of these type of like distracting is going to help as well. But when you're in this really dysregulated state, you're not thinking rationally. You're not going to be like, okay. I mean, this is when you're at like a six, seven, or eight, nine on the reading scale, and you like went a 10 is going to the ER because you really feel like you're dying. Your brain is not going to be able to think logically. It is just feeling like it's going to die, right? Like you feel like you're going to die. You feel like you're in front of a bear. That's the same feeling that you're having if you were in front of a bear and you're not. You're just like on your couch. So. You know, it's it's crazy how it happens, but, you know, it's really, really important to know that if you feel these physical symptoms, there really are things you can do that will help, like, soothe that vagus nerve at that time. But you also really want to do these exercises, some of these, not like the, the ice thing might be good. Actually, it's interesting. I was going to say, these aren't just good for these these times. You know, people are doing you know, you're, you're doing them too, right? Recently I saw mm-hmm. them, the ice baths. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, like yeah. that's why oh, people yeah. actually put them into their, they're doing ice baths now on occasion, maybe not every day, but as much as you can. And that is part of increasing this vagal tone. Mm-hmm. It's literally helping their nervous system and the nerves inside their body strengthen mm-hmm. and, and move through different fearful, uncomfortable situations. So yeah, it, it's that's what I would say is the best thing you can start doing. We don't have a, a Vegas nerve episode yet, do we? I don't, I don't that think up. so. And we're going to do one on that. I want to bring someone on and talk about that because I've just been yeah. doing so much research for my book. It's really, really – the polyvagal theory, if you want to look it up, it's so interesting um, the way that they explain – explain the body and the mind. Um, yeah. That's good. That was a, Is that good? Are we good? <laughs> that was a good one. That was, a good one. I hope that you guys are finding help from our questions. And like I said, be sure to 
catch us when we post and post your questions. And I hope we always get to everyone's that we need to and no one feels like we're ignoring them or anything. And if you do feel that, please DM us um, because we want to answer your questions, especially the people who choose to listen to the podcast all the time. For sure. And we'll put in the show notes um, like the episodes we mentioned. So you can – what episode it is so you can go back and and listen to them too. Um, so mm-hmm. follow us, please. Write us a five-star review. We're, we've, we're excited. We've had some more reviews lately, which we're happy about. Um, but let's, you know, push all this awesome content out there, you know? <laughs> yep. Okay. Well, we'll see y'all next week. Bye. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.